Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today on the show, great way to end the first half, start the second half, and celebrate history on Tuesday night as the National League wins the 93rd annual All-Star Game, thanks to the heroics of Elias Diaz. It's Kenneth Weber. What up, what up? What a time to be a Rockies fan. Honestly, like, this is the highlight of the year. It really feels like it in the moment. I mean, first catcher in Rockies history to make the All-Star Game, and the NL finally wins the game for the first time, it feels like, in the 21st century. And Diaz is the man who does it. Big times. NL did not lose in 2020, but they also did not win in the 2020 All-Star game. Yeah. Semantics. <laughs> nah, I'm joking. Like, that's how they have to feel good about themselves. Hey, guys, hold on. We've I technically only lost two years in a row. <laughs> technically. And every time you throw the word technically in, it definitely screws things up. Yeah, I mean, just just wonderful. The Rockies get, you know, only had a lone representative going into the all-star game and, you know, probably fitting a couple other guys you maybe push to make the case for or maybe McMahon over Diaz. But ultimately, Diaz has really been, you know, that MVP guy for the team. And Nolan Arenado's there. Okay. I kind of forgot about him being a Rocky because there were a lot of Colorado people in mm-hmm. and around the ballpark in different capacities. And I was just so focused on Carlos Estevez because him – you know, being a late addition to the All-Star game really felt like, you know what, Rockies fans, you know, they can claim that as their own. Like, he's a Rocky. He's a Rocky, period. It's hard he not to root. Be. Yeah, it's hard not to root for him, too. I mean, he's that likable of a guy. And then you always you saw him as kind of a stalwart for the bullpen. Yeah. Um, for the Rockies, for, you know, the for numerous seasons. For him to kindly, kind of finally take that step up where the ability has always been there, but now the production is there, too. It's hard not to be proud. In a way, what DJ LeMahieu was able to do for Rockies players and going to another market and say, see, like, yeah, the Coors Field hangover is is legit, but that means you should ignore the splits. Mm-hmm. If you can play, you can play. All right, Rockies hitters, they can hit, they can play. At least the good ones are. And I think for Carlos Estevez, in a way, he might move the needle a little bit for Rockies relievers because – you know, the one thing that he's talked about a lot, you know, we just saw him a couple weeks ago when the Angels came through town and what he said in Seattle at T-Mobile Park when we talked to him during media availability on Monday was the fact that he's really proud that he's had 300 games pitched with the Rockies. He's one of only seven players to ever do it. None of them are starters. They're all, they're all relievers, but he was able to do that. And that really readied him for being in a spotlight, understanding that, Hey, don't worry about the run you just gave up. Worry about that next one. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, that mindset it immediately has made him a success. During the winter meetings last year, he signed right as we were about to talk with Bud Black and someone from L.A. dove in and had the first question. Hey, Carlos, just signed a two-year deal with the Los Angeles Angels. 
And we were all like, yeah, he's going to be their closer. He's going to be mm -hmm. great. But he basically said the exact same thing. And so it was wonderful for him to be there with his good friend, Elias Diaz. You know, they exchanged texts. Uh, you can read about that over at the DNVR.com. That's unlocked about Elias Diaz's big night and his just his whole weekend in general. How Estevez said, I don't know if I want to watch the game, but you're in it. So I'll, I'll watch it. And now, hey. You're going to be in it. Yeah. Let's let's hang out. They have a good time. They took some photographs together. And Diaz did say, you know what? He's going to try to strike me out. So, yeah, I am going to try to hit a home run. Uh, and he did exactly that, but it yep. was off Felix Batista. Not sure if he and Batista will become friends now because that's a rough way to start a friendship. Off. It's not going to be as close as him and his Estevez now. I'll <laughs> no, say that no, much. No. no, but, I mean, Diaz, it was such a magnificent performance, and he has been really the most consistent hitter for the Rockies all year. You talked about how McMahon, you can be making the case for him. It wasn't the best start for McMahon. For the Rockies' troubles this season, Diaz has never been a part of the problem. He has always been one of the fixtures in that lineup. He's really been the offense by himself at points in the year. So for him, not only to kind of have the accolade as that first Rockies catcher, but for his performance throughout the season, he deserved to be there. And, uh, you know, you talked about Estevez kind of being a, a leadership of sorts for the bullpen. Man, as the catcher and for everything that he does behind the plate, Diaz has kind of been one of those captains of the pitching staff, too. He's so well regarded for what he does behind the plate. And this year, the offense kind of took off for the entire first half, too. So um, it's big, man. It, it's just it's really cool to see. And it's great that he had a great showing while he was out there, too. Great summation of that. He hasn't been the problem. His month of June, you know, he's fallen off a little bit offensively. But again, the defense is there every single night. He's working with the pitching staff uh, that has been just besieged by injuries. So he goes and hits the uh, the big two-run home run, barely gets into this game. That was something that NL manager Rob Thompson said that when he talked with Bud Black, but he said, this is a great human being, great ball player, but a great human being. He'll show up. He'll He'll do whatever you need for him to do. He'll sit out if you just want him to ride mm -hmm. the bench. And uh, he did in a, in a way. Like, he didn't get a chance to play in the game. I thought maybe after he hit, he hit the home run, you would have, you know, let him catch the final two innings right. uh, at the bottom of the eighth and the bottom of the ninth. Uh, of course, they would have lost the DH at that point. But whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you can have fun. You're winning the game. I guess there's still strategy when it comes to the, uh, the All-Star yeah. game, even if it's an exhibition. I get that. I get that. But Diaz, you know, wins the award. His mom's there. In the crowd, and then post game, you know, we get word that his jersey is going to the Hall of Fame. John Shestakovsky, vice president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, was there. Uh, you check us out over on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies at Patrick D. Lyons, where we got that video of the handoff. I was lucky enough to actually get a photograph uh, with Shestakovsky and my good buddy Kevin Henry of Fan Sided with the jersey. So that's really, as far as I know, the first time I've like touched anything that's. Cooperstown worthy, so to speak. I mean, that's that's prestigious right there. That was pretty neat. I, I also, so there's a picture of Elias Diaz. He's thinking about what he's going to say. This was just before he recorded a <laughs> video uh, to the Rockies fans saying, hey, thank you so much for, for all the support. Definitely could not have done it without you guys rooting me on. We'll see you in Denver. Um, but I also got to hold that bat too, which I can't say it was necessarily a dream come true because you don't think about, I want to hold a crystal baseball bat. I want to hold the <laughs> Ted Williams All-Star Game MVP bat. But once I did, it was very heavy, and I said, okay, this this was a dream I didn't even know I had. Yeah. But that was that was a nice moment. Rocky's PR 
Kevin Collins doing a great job of, of looking after us and saying, yeah, no, come on in, come into the clubhouse, spend a little bit more time with Elias Diaz. Everyone was coming up to him. Juan Soto giving him fives. People from you know his home country of Venezuela were even there covering the game, uh, which was quite uh, fortuitous. And uh, and then the last guy out of the clubhouse, Craig Kimbrell, you know, and, and Diaz said, "Oh man, my heart was going there. You had you had, you had me scared, Craig. You had me scared, but <laughs> he locked it down and the National League wins three two. I mean, a Craig Kimbrell save in this day and age is never <laughs> like that subdued of a moment anymore. So um, yeah, for that for that to be the the winning swing, man, like that's huge. And a crystal bat, you got to actually hold it. You got to see it. It was at like a thirty five even, just like a, a tank. I mean, lengthwise, length and weight, thirty-five. Wh- no weight, pro- length. It probably was like a thirty-two. It was probably a Tony Gwynn type special. There you go. Uh, or he's more of a thirty-one, thirty. But uh, I mean, at l- maybe forty-five. It's, oh wow! It, it was dead. Hey, don't drop it. And I'm like ready for this thing to be like twenty-five pounds. Uh-huh. It was still really heavy. I bet it was very, very heavy. Uh, that was cool. You, I, I'm curious where. You know, going into the season, Elias Diaz has been a very solid catcher, and obviously he had a lot of great moments, uh, a lot of a lot of walk-off hits, home runs, grand slams. You know, he he's, has the last two grand slams in, in Rockies history, mm-hmm. maybe more, definitely more of a footnote in general. But with this performance, becoming the MVP and becoming the first ever Rockies catcher to make the All-Star game, where does Elias Diaz rank right now? We don't know what, what his future is going to hold. He is signed to a deal for the 2024 season. He's easily their best trade chip right now. So, you know, we'll wait and see if, if he gets dealt. Him being the MVP could possibly be one of the worst things to happen for some Rockies fans from the, from the perspective of, hey, we're trying to get better for the future and maybe go to the postseason. Mm-hmm. And now you can't trade this guy, possibly. At least that's how some people in the front sure. office may take it. But where do you think <sighs> Diaz ranks all time amongst Rockies catcher? He has to be top three right now. I would say so. I'd say he's he's two, and there's a legitimate case for him being one. Sure. I think the golden standard right now is Chris Iannetta, and there's yep. a lot of volume that comes into that number. Yep. Um, and then when it comes to Diaz, there's a lot more performance in a much more condensed period of time. True. Um, so this was something I wrote about two weeks ago over at Purple Row, where it talks about it, could Diaz kind of supplant Ionetta as that top catcher. And if you just want to have one golden standard for it, which could be baseball reference war, right now Diaz is two with 4.7 career war. Ionetta is at seven. Ionetta wow. has almost twice as many games as Diaz does as well. It's not outside of the realm of possibility, even if it's just he stays through the, the term of his contract, which is through next year. He could tack on another 2.3. He could. And if you want to just use war as the barometer for it, he could be the best all time. It's not necessarily the most um, coveted position in Rockies (laughs) history. It's not first base where you have to live up to Todd Helton, but he could go down easily as the best Rockies catcher of all time. And something like winning an all-star game MVP, that's a pretty good staple in putting on that resume. That carries a lot of weight. And and so I would say third is probably your Vittori Alba. And you go, well, what he was able to do in the postseason. So it's that boost. That's where he gets the boost, not necessarily the regular season. But as certainly being fondly remembered, for me, he would probably be number three. Oh, yeah. And there's an intangible that comes to Yorvit as well. When we talk about Diaz and what he's able to do as a captain of the pitching staff, Yorvit might be the gold standard for that side of the the position. Um, But to put you on the spot, who do you think is third 
all time in Rockies catcher war history, according to Baseball Reference. Oh, and I'm I, going back on this one. You know, oh, it's oh, it's 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 back because I was gonna say, would it be Tony Walters? I feel like he's he, five. He ranks actually really high. I knew that. He, he's five. There's um, one guy with just one season who's number four. Really? Mm-hmm. For uh, one season. Well, I was actually thinking number number uh, two, number three could be uh, Joe Girardi, Jeff Reed. Jeff Reed. Jeff Reed. Him and Kirk Manwaring were really good. Yep. And so there's one catcher. He only one season. Uh-huh. Miguel Olivo. Miguel Olivo. Four. Two point five. Two point five. He's fourth all time in, in Baseball Reference WAR for Rockies catchers. Tuesday night was the Elias Diaz game. Wednesday is the Miguel Olivo podcast. Yeah, and Wednesday, that's what yeah, we're doing. Wednesday here. afternoon is nerd time with Patrick and Kenneth too. <laughs> Let's nerd it, baby. Let's nerd it. So, I mean this. This has to go down as the most memorable all-star game performance in Rockies history. I mean, the the only other one I think that you make the case for is Ubaldo starting the all-star game mm-hmm. in 2010. I love Aaron Cook, three extra, you know, three innings in extras, which is just a rarity. Uh, doing it at Yankee Stadium in the final season of Yankee Stadium. Yeah. In 2008, you got a handful of home runs. Uh Charlie in 2019, Trevor Story 2018, Matt Holiday 2008, yep. Helton 2003, Els Burks I believe hit a triple in in 96, okay. which was a nice nice little mm-hmm. uh, nice little, little feather moment. in the cap. I think so. And then and then in general, hosting the All Star Game in 98 and 2021 at Coors Field are those big moments. But on the player side, maybe it's just one A one B. Where do you stand? Well, so there's a weird iconic moment. For a Rockies player, and okay. that's Larry Walker and Randy Johnson. Ooh, great point. So that one, I mean, there is it seems to be, you know, etched in everybody's mind of him flipping the helmet and going in there right-handed. So it, it's an exhibition game, and he okay. had some fun with it. I like so it. that's a memorable all-star moment. Uh, but hey, if if it starts with all-star game MVP, man, that's the accolade. There's only one every single year, and he's he's the guy to do it. So yeah, that probably puts him down as the most memorable Rockies moment um, of all time in the All-Star game, at least. Sure. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe some diehards might look at it and say, well, because we've only had one catcher, it's more rare, it's more special. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I, 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 I don't know, it, it's hard starting the All-Star game for a franchise that just hasn't had a ton of starting pitchers or pitchers in general make the All-Star game it's like mm, that's that was pretty special in a special year where he threw the no hitter. Yeah, it's it's going to be hard. We might have to get further away from it, but I'll just say one A, one B. Also, you'll have to show me where on Stathead uh, I can I can sort things for having memorable moments like the M War memorable wins above replacement <laughs> because I, I the search that I did didn't show the Larry Walker backwards helmet business. On that one. Big props. Super chat from Bears. Let's go. Appreciate that. Maguglio also super stoked. Uh, but Bears 7191. Love you. I think it's, it might even be Berg. Uh, is it just me? Or do other people miss the tradition of players playing the All-Star game in their own uniforms instead of just everyone wearing the same jersey for that one game Great question. That definitely has been the topic of conversation in and around this time during the Midsummer Classic. Since 2021, Rockies were the first ones that had to deal with, hey, who's playing left field right now? They're all wearing the same uniform. um, And it wasn't even necessarily a purple one Mm -hmm. uh, or green one. For Colorado because it got moved. That was so disheartening. From Atlanta. That was so disheartening. But I don't know if you you heard. Um, you know, Rob Manfred did say I tweeted this out that 
Atlanta is in the conversation for getting the 2025 All-Star game. Sure. So that means Rockies and Coors Field <laughs> in the conversation make to them, host the 2025 All-Star game again. Well, yeah, make, make <laughs> them wear like the 98 American and National Rockies uh, jerseys. Flip it. Yeah, when, yes. when it's in Atlanta. I'd say I do it that. that way. Make it a little bit more fair. I love that. So, Berg, yeah, I, 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 I don't care for it. Look, I mean, I, I'd kill. I'm not a human, but maybe an animal. <laughs> now it's getting now it's getting dark. I took it to a dark place. Uh, shout out Susie Hunter, but uh, I'd kill something uh-huh. to get one of those National League green home run derby jerseys that says National on it. Yeah, with the A looking like the mountain. Like those are just amazing. And I I remember that they didn't wear that during the game. They didn't need to. They wore it during mm-hmm. the derby. And that's that's the bottom line. Get it out there. People will buy the jersey. It's fine. It looks cool. Yeah. I get it. There's new technology, you know, baked into it and everything that uh, we'll see on on MLB Fields next season for 2024. Nike's doing all that good stuff. But during the game, I mean, how many people saw an image? Well, first off, how many people heard Elias Diaz was the MVP and go who? <laughs> and then they go, hold on, show me the show me an image. Yeah. Give me a hint. I still got nothing. Because he's wearing a navy jersey with flecks of green, cool-looking green swoosh, I'll say that, mm-hmm. black pants, and a mint cap. Yeah. And actually he had the National League helmet on, which is just a funky-looking N. I didn't love the helmet. Yeah. I hated the, the helmets. But even if he was wearing the cap, you have to really focus on that. And I think something does get lost. So, Berg, I, I agree. I, I think that is something that uh, should have never really been... Messed with. I mean, even just let them wear the caps yeah. that they would normally wear so you can see those colors. Because there are plenty of Rockies fans that want to see the Rocky. They might not know Elias Diaz. Uh, they might, or they might just need that little reminder of, hey, I need to see purple out there mm-hmm. so I know who my guy is. Or I don't have a guy yet, but I want to have a guy. How many more Rockies fans could this organization have if Elias Diaz was? Decked out in purple, if he was wearing the black vest, if he had a purple cap on, whatever it was, how much does that translate for people to go, hey, you know what? That was my first all-star game. Yeah. You know, I went up to Seattle. I didn't know what to expect. Or I watched it on TV. This guy seemed really lovable. He had his family there. I'm an Elias Diaz fan. I'm now a Rockies fan. I think you lost an opportunity because of that. And Berg, you have to you have to go back to that. And I I think you got to go away with the AL and NL jerseys and caps and pants. For the game. Keep it for the derby, but not for the game. Kenneth, where do you stand well, on this? Well, yeah, it's super. It's a very divisive topic. It is. And I do think, overall, that these were a pretty good look for the festivities and the and the aesthetic of Seattle and the colors and everything. Um, with how fleshed out this weekend is now, All-Star Game weekend and everything else that goes on during and around the game, there's so many opportunities to see those cool threads. And to have them posing, you have a whole red carpet show where you can show it off if you want to. Yeah. And then when it gets into the game, I think the easiest compromise is you see 4th of July, Veterans Day, all these different times in the season where they'll have a specialty cap that goes with the uniform. Yeah. Implement that into the All-Star game. You have the Rockies jersey, the Diamondbacks jersey, whatever team is sporting their threads, and then you have a specialty cap that goes with that. I'd be fine with that. And I think that that's the easy compromise in the situation. And everything else that goes on during the weekend, you wear whatever's going on, including an Atlanta jersey in Colorado. 
<laughs> but that's the time to show that off when you get into the game. See what the uniforms look like because how many national, uh, how many how many people in the national audience are going out there and seeing a Rockies jersey on a consistent basis? How many times are they tuning into Rockies games over the course of a season? If you're a Red Sox fan and you're not subscribed to MLB TV or something, well, yeah, once. Well, <laughs> when when Rockies when they yeah. play, but now that interleague, that, it's intertwined a little bit I feel more. You know, I feel but you. overall, there's not a lot of exposure, especially yeah. for a market like Colorado. Let's say in terms of you know how big some teams are. So, show off every team's uniform. Yeah. Show what they look yes. like. Show what they see because that's what gets imprinted in the memories of these games. Is seeing that guy out there, not with just this little patch that has the yeah. CR on it, the full fledged Rockies gear. And then whatever you want to do with the with the lid on top and the helmets. Do better on the helmets, though, if you're going to do it that way. And then pants. You want culottes, clam diggers? Are we going shorts like the old White Sox? Uh, jorts. 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 Let's go. Yeah. 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 And you, you could stain them, too. You, you could. Know I mean, you can do acid wash for the home team so they're a little bit lighter there and it white. Is. There it is. I think that, that works. I mean, I, I, I bet if bird dogs made the shorts, <laughs> they would look great. I tell you what. I was rocking my bird dogs, got it just in time for my trip to Seattle. So not only was I looking good, I was I was feeling pretty good. Bird dogs definitely do that. They got the stretch khaki shorts, incredibly comfortable, designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Sculpted legs. That's that's been a thing, I think. Like for guys now. Oh yeah. Like when it comes to physique, like mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta work on legs. You gotta work you on skip legs. Skip leg day, it shows. You can't, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You, you can't do that. But if you have a nice pair of shorts, might actually be able to make up for that. Uh, and that's what Bird Dogs is absolutely doing right now. They fit way better than regular shorts, uh, partially because they're not made of those strict, uh, restricting, stiff cotton. It's, uh, it's not great. Go to birddogs.com slash DNVR and be great, look great, feel great. Enter promo code DNVR for free Yeti-style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com slash DNVR or promo code DNVR for free Yeti style tumbler. You don't want to take your bird dogs off, and you won't want to. We promise you that. The tumbler is actually a really good deal. It looks cool. It's great. And I always, uh, I never shut up about it. I haven't said it in a while. I'll make my drive into the ballpark, hot coffee. I get in a couple sips. I'm down in the clubhouse for an hour and a half, two hours, or talking with Buddy. By the time I get back upstairs, it's still like hot. Mm-hmm. It's almost too hot. Well, hey, you need that pick me up after two hours of you know grinding away, getting all the the interviews, you know. So yeah, hey, it's uh, the tumbler and the shorts all in one. Like that's a pretty sweet deal, man. That's no. like the Wash Park starter kit right there. You're ready to go. Ooh, mm-hmm. trademark. We're, we're stealing <laughs> that. You said it. Anything you say, we are we own. Yeah, all right, I, I understand. I signed the waiver. Off. I get it. You did. You did. I, and I appreciate you doing that each time you come in. You, you don't have to. It covers you for the year. Yeah. I told you that. I told oh, you that. Well, I, I just like my signature. That's it. Uh, well, you can only do one time, and that's okay. I, I hooked up uh, a Padres fan over at FanFest who was trying to get into the game, let him know about game time tickets, and said, you know, if you wait closer to the start of the game, uh, you can get in. I think our homie uh, Paul Holden, actually, I, I got to get back to him from Lockdown Rockies. Uh, mentioned that he was able to to get it. I think I think that was what the message was. I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing, but maybe you use game time tickets to get in late, get those tickets because prices continue to come down the closer you get to the start of the event. And we're talking like minutes and hours away from the start of that event. And you know what? If it just happens to be a game or something where a lot of people want to go and the prices aren't coming down that much, that's okay. Use code DNVR and you still get 20 bucks off your first purchase when you use the app that over 15 million folks know and love. It's Game Time Tickets. Again, use that code DNVR for $20 off your first purchase. What did you make of the game 
in general, I, I initially looking, you know, a few days out, I'm like, all right, let's talk about Zach Allen and Garrett Cole. But why would we do that? They pitched one inning just like mm-hmm. all the other guys. That's just kind of how it is. That's fine. Uh, how was the how was the game to watch on TV? Are you enjoying the players getting mic'd up and those those little moments? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I think that they, they've refined it a little bit because yeah. I remember a few years back with uh, Liam Hendricks, and that was, <laughs> that was a little too hot of a mic going Ooh, on right there. It's so a spicy I, mic. Yeah, I think they've toned it down <laughs> a little bit on that. Um, I, I, they do a pretty good job, and they're, they're able to bounce back and forth. Um, and I think like just the gameplay on the field, too. Man, did that get off to a hot start, too, with the wow. Rosarina and Garcia in the corners. Like there was a lot of fun and good baseball being played in this in this All Star game. So um, as the baseball fan in me, it was a really entertaining game to watch. Um, in terms of the presentation, I mean, it's always going to be made for a national audience, so they're going to go all out on the production side of it. But listening to Mookie and Freddie Freeman banter back and forth for half an inning, like they have some fun with it, and they've done a pretty good job with the the presentation. Yeah, the way it started off with the Adolis Garcia first. Mm-hmm. Randy Rosarena, the pose. Garcia made another play later on in the game. He clearly has no idea where the wall is at yeah. T-Mobile Park, where he's just, he doesn't even put his hand out. He's just like, I'm just going to kind of jump up like my back's up against him. It's like, dude, you got like four feet yeah. behind you. Not a great defender, but he made the nice play. That was uh, that was really good. It's always weird to me watching an all-star game, and it's still light out. Mm-hmm. That is just it's just weird. Yeah. It, it's weird. It feels like it's kind of like that twilight uh, time, too. <laughs> yeah. And the right field did not look fun with that sun. It looked like it was pretty brutal. Um, and then Garcia, just to, you know, on that note, he's an entertaining defender, is the way that I'll put it, because okay. there will be some whack job plays that go on <laughs> when Adolis Garcia has the ball in his hands. But, um, it w- man, it was a lot of fun. I think the entire way it was it was a very good game to try to grab some fans attention that wouldn't normally be tuning in the way, you know, baseball purists like ourselves do. And the fans there were outstanding. You mm-hmm. had a brief little chant uh, when Brent Rooker of the Oakland A's came in and we'll we'll talk more about that in a second from uh, the MLB draft and uh, some of the different things that were going on for Oakland fans, but it was it was electric anytime Julio Rodriguez took the field, so the yeah. Seattle fans really supporting. And then bottom of the first inning, second hitter, Shohei Otani, come to Seattle. Clap, yeah. clap, 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 clap. I was not expecting that. Thought that was really fun. Thought that was a cool moment. It was. I, I mean, hey, it, everybody should be courting Shohei, and I think they also did a very good job of bringing the attention to the fact that he is kind of this generational free agent pending. Mm-hmm. Um because every single question it felt like whenever they had a player on the mic was, hey, how would you like to have Shohei Otani on your team? <laughs> like, what was one person going to do? Be like, meh, I'm I'm indifferent to the idea. It's like, no, man, I would love Otani to be on my team. Yes, I would like the best player in baseball, please. Like, yeah, that's that's a pretty easy answer. They teed it up for him. That was uh, something that was asked to, to Carlos Estevez. What, what have you heard? Or have you gotten more questions about? Mm-hmm. And, and kind of which one do you do you like fielding less? Talking about Shohei Otani, who he was warming up with uh, in in right field, that was cool to see those guys hanging out and uh, and listening to Carlos's story about how you know they kind of pranked him a little bit, where it was supposed to be Trout and Otani. Hey, we're gonna say goodbye to you guys, mm-hmm. and then oh wait a minute, uh, there's somebody else going to Seattle, and it was Carlos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Carlos, uh, what 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 do you hate fielding more? What have you gotten more of questions about Otani? 
or pitching at Coors Field. And uh, and he sort of sounded like, I'll, I'm glad to talk about Coors Field all day long. Like yeah. he's, he's proud of the fact that he survived that place. He thrived. Um, very underrated, I think, in so many ways. Diehards know. Like Rockies oh, yeah. fans know how valuable he was. Uh, and I think they know how valuable he was in the clubhouse, too. That was, uh, I think the Angels got a steal. I really thought he was going to get three years over $20 million. Uh, and, and he's showing this year that he's uh, he's absolutely worth that. Now, at the MLB draft, the uh, that environment has gotten better and better. They've definitely improved upon it since they had at the uh, Buell Theater here in Denver in 2021, where it was at Lumen Field, and so you had two or three sections where uh, in, in the football stadium, great-looking stage and whatnot, and they still had play ball park in the other half of the uh, football field. But A's pick comes up, and you hear stay in Oakland and sell the team, you know, yeah. just coming down so blistering loud. I thought, I thought, man, baseball fans are smart. They are. And I mean, it's, it's completely justified. Um, and right. then there's a little bit more that's been coming out today. I don't know if you saw that about the Oakland mayor coming out and, and kind of trying to justify the stance of, well, we actually did have a legitimate proposal out there for it. It's, it's such a, an ugly situation. Yeah. Um, and I think that, it's it, one of the funny parts about the draft is it gives the platform for the fans to kind of give a little bit of backlash to the league and their their um, you know voice their um, how upset they may be with it. So uh, what I think back to is when the draft ended or when the first round ended and the uh, Astros were having the pick, you could barely hear Manfred. That was some booming boos that were were raining down on him. So. It's a good platform to see just how some of the fans feel sometimes. That was another that was another thing I noticed about the Seattle fans. Just deafening orbit mm-hmm. before the home run derby. They're doing all of the mascots, Dinger, rocking the City Connect uh, mm-hmm. on top of the dugout, and they get to orbit just booze. Mar- you know, uh the the players that were coming out, the all stars, getting booed. They were going to announce, I think, the coaches yeah. for the American League. They came out. I didn't even see them doing it for the National League, but the coaches came out in between innings. And they they shut the mic off. They just showed the guys waving. I don't know if it was just on TV, but I think they were going to have it in this in the stadium. Yeah. But the entire most of the coaching staff was Astros yeah. coaches, so they said, "Yeah, cut the mic, cut the mic." Yeah, read the room. Let's let's not do that. Yeah, I I think baseball is smart to say, you know what, boo the commissioner, boo the picks, do all that, just like they have in the NFL and they have in the NBA. Capitalize off those moments. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So I'm glad they're they're embracing that. They're still trying to figure that out uh, as uh, as an event for media to cover because there weren't actually a ton of spots really? for media. Yeah, there was basically more people covering the game than the than the draft sure. like, that they were able to allow for. So uh, a little bit strange there in general that uh, that happened. Got a chance to uh, talk yesterday with Tony Clark, the head of the. Players Association, as well as Commissioner Rob Manfred, and a couple of the things, and uh, you know, would would love to for this show to be two hours. It that would be an, it would be an easy two hours still. Yeah. But the bigger takeaways, Tony Clark priming the pump a little bit to say, maybe maybe later in the season, like in September, harder to do. It's a bit nebulous, but certainly in October for the postseason, can we extend the pitch clock mm-hmm. just a little bit? To make these moments a little bit more dramatic, allow the pitchers to get that extra three to four seconds of a, a deep breath to, to to fire back and throw a, a very important pitch. I think the the games, uh, I think I think the math on that is about an extra twenty minutes. Which again, in the postseason, 
that's still going to average around 315, actually even less than that. Yeah. So that would be totally fine. You're still going to have more advertising opportunities. So it, it makes sense. Players Association wants it. Sounds like Commissioner Rob Manfred, despite the fact that there is no extra inning rule in the postseason, as mm-hmm. there shouldn't be, there are different sets of rules for the regular season and the postseason because of extra innings. And yet he said, ah, we play the game one way in the regular season. It should stay that way. Yeah. A little hypocritical there. Agreed. Uh, but he doesn't want that. I don't know if that's going to be something that then has to be negotiated. Uh, you know, international draft is something that, um, you know, both sides want in different ways. And there's been proposals. But uh, I, I, I'd welcome that. I think in the postseason that that's actually fine to have a little bit extra time. It's strange to think four extra seconds would probably add a whole 20 minutes yeah. to a total of the game. But that's fine. That's fine in the postseason. Well, it's like you mentioned, there's no California-based runner in the postseason. Right. So it's not to say that there are, you know, it's it's apples to apples on how the game is played between the two. Um, it, feel, it felt like a leverage response of, yeah, I'm open yeah. to it, but, you know, we can't just shift the dynamic of the rules because, you know, whatever. It's, yeah, that's a tactic to it. But at the end of the day, Everybody is fearful that there will be a pivotal moment of a postseason game decided by a pitch clock violation one way or the other. And that is the fatal error that can't happen in a postseason game. And so I think that ultimately the two sides have to come to an agreement to be like, hey, we can't let this crucial moment be decided by a violation one way or the other. And I I just I think they'll come to an agreement. I think they'll find the compromise to avoid that happening. Yeah, they. It, it, you're right. It's an opportunity to negotiate, to bargain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's almost as if they're they're staring into the sun to see how long they can hold it, who can win. And I say that because you shouldn't be staring into the sun at all. In fact, you shouldn't even be walking around without a pair of Shady Rays on right now. It's buy one, get one free when you go over to ShadyRays.com and use promo code DNVR. You go to the Park Meadows Mall and if you buy two or more uh, shares uh, sh- two or more shades of polarized shades from the Park Meadows Mall. Are these my new shades? They are. Okay, all right. Look at this. I can't remember what I requested. Ooh, there's even a note. It's got my name on it, and that's all it is. Okay, but <laughs> the shades themselves. Oh my god. Oh, and there's a special case. Look at oh, this. Oh yeah, these the, are really the unpackaging video. Really nice. The unpackaging pod now. <laughs> Forget the fact that we're talking about Miguel Olivo. Ooh, and these are a different vibe than my other ones. I got the big uh-huh. kind of wrap around Macho Man meets Zach Veen <laughs> thing going on. Yeah. And these a lot more stylish. Oh yeah. Kind of the the Wayfair style, and they've got a little blue, a little bit of red in there. The business casual. Oh, these are Patrick. great. Little Love turquoise. It. Look at that. That's it. Yeah, these. Oh my God, they're so great. These lights that are are not blinding me now when I wear these. These are really, really good. Comfortable, too. That's the other thing. These are very comfortable on the head, even wearing with a, a cap. Because sometimes, you know, if you wear a cap with the glasses, you're like, oh, these don't team up well. Mm-mm. These shades definitely team up really well. You can team up with Shady Rays when you use promo code DNVR. You get to buy one, and you get one absolutely for free. Try the shades from an independent sunglass company that has over 200,000 Five star reviews. Also, head over to Pins and Aces to get yourself some sick golf gear. That's another way to keep yourself cool. Kenneth, it's getting hot. And so, in the press box 
moving around where there's not a lot of air that circulates or driving from point A to point B in pants. I don't like pants. But I do like golf pants from Pins and Aces. They breathe so much better. You got to get in on those. You use promo code DNVR. You get 15% off your first order. You also get free shipping as well. They got hats. They've got polos, golf bags. They got the covers uh, for your golf clubs. They've got the liquor stick. It looks like a putter. You can put a little booze in there. there you, you, you lighten up. You're lighting up. There you go. You're like, yeah, I know I want to feel comfortable with pants, but I'll really feel comfortable with the liquor stick or the beer sleeve where you can fit, I think, seven beers in your golf bag and not have to wait for the 19th hole. Look good, feel good, play good. That's what they're all about, it and, sounds like. And feel warm in a good way inside, <laughs> thanks to Pins and Aces. Head to pinsandaces.com for all of that and more. How did you like the, uh, I really want to wear these. Do it. Caitlin, what are you doing to me? These are, I, I don't want to be that guy, but these just feel comfortable. I feel like they look good. That's it. Thank you. Oh, these are my second half shades. Now I'm going to expect to get two every single year. That's been the thing. And if, what if we go to the postseason? I'll need a postseason pair. Who am I kidding? It's two every year until 2026. <laughs> All right, Kenneth, what, what was your take on the home run derby? I'll toot my own horn. Toot toot. I had Vlad going the whole way. I figured J Rod and Pete Alonso were going to you know, beat each other up. Mm-hmm. And it was really just Julio beating up Alonso. But in the process, he beat himself up with a single round record 41 home runs. That was amazing. But. Those, those two guys were just two titans that yep. were going to kill each other, so it was going to be Vlad's to win. Randy Rosarena, just, he stepped up. That was, Randy was really amazing. impressive. Yeah, I mean, so the, the most impressive round had to be Julio's. I mean, that yeah. was just a firework show, and it felt like just an automatic machine clubbing it to the second deck in left field with that 41 round. Um, I was really pleasantly surprised by a Rosarena. Yeah. Uh, he was just remarkable, and it was such a uh, short swing with such great pop the entire way through. Um, there's a small part of me, a bit of a guilty pleasure, watching uh. Pete Alonso fall. Oh, you know? why? Just a, just a little bit. Ah, you get tired of it, you know? He, he's, <laughs> it's a great performance, but I've seen it year in and year out. Okay, let's let's see a Titan fall here uh, for a round. And so um, <laughs> it was great all the way through. I think Vladdy is just one of those guys that this is, this is an event kind of made for him sure. a little bit. So to see him get crowned the champion... It's hard not to be, uh, you know, happy with that outcome. But Julio had the best round, and I think a Rosarena was kind of some must-see TV throughout. For sure, yeah. And, and Vlad wins it. Uh, his dad won the Derby too, yeah. uh, as well. Like, so you like seeing that. Full disclosure: I'm a polar bear fan. Save the polar bear. I love Pete, but and, you know he won it in 2021 too. It, yeah. So like that was like the moment. You know he's got Mob Deep going. Sure. One's playing and he's bobbing along to it. He's doing deadlifts and all yeah. that. But he's now lost two years in a row. I'm done. I don't want to yeah. see him anymore. I mean, hey, I, I saw I saw like you know Jim Chad there for a little bit <laughs> going on with Alonzo, and that was fun in the moment. What, what's Jim Chad? I don't know what that so is. So he's at the gym. He's being a chad about <laughs> oh, it. I'm um, thinking J I M. I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. James Chad. Oh, okay. No, yeah, yeah, James Chad. No, uh, so I guess one of the more impressive things would have been if you could see Pete Alonso succeed despite having to face nothing but cutters away the entire time because that's kind of what he was going through. So if I saw an entirely oppo polar bear, all right, I would have been bought back in. But he had to earn it, and he just didn't didn't this year. That's all right. And then Adley Rutschman goes lefty and righty. That was sweet. That was was sweet. I, I was like, 
wait, how? Like, it's like yeah. it's a wiffle ball game. And I go, oh, yeah, he's a switch hitter. But I forgot that in his moment, his dad's thrown mm-hmm. into him. I was like, I kind of want that. So Jesse Friedman uh, from the PHNX podcast, uh, we, we hung out the entire time while in Seattle. And he, he proposed something. Love this question. Would you rather win the Derby or have that memorable moment? Maybe not even just the most memorable performance sure. of a year, but maybe the most memorable in two or three years. Like mm-hmm. I think back to 2008, maybe that was Justin Morneau who won the Derby there at Yankee Stadium. But it was Hamilton. But we remember Josh Hamilton yep. doing it back when there wasn't a clock and there wasn't quite as many home runs. Which would you rather have? I said I'd, I'd rather have the MVP. Uh, then, yeah. the, then the moment or I that round. There, there's kind of the infamy in it. I think the the hard part of it was Adley was just overshadowed by a few things. That round was so incredibly impressive in the way that he was able to finish it, jumping right-handed, but then he immediately got knocked out. Yeah. Like, that was a little disheartening. I wish it had been like Adley versus Mookie. You know, you get to see Adley advance one more time, and if he ends up getting knocked out by Julio going, you know, freakish on it, okay, you still got to see Adley go a little bit further. So I guess that was the one part that was a little disappointing is after that round, I wanted to see more of Rutschman up there. So if it was Julio, because I think Julio yeah. has the just the better overall performance. Totally. Would you rather be Julio or would you rather be Vlad? Uh, Julio. Yeah? I'd be wow, Julio. And in the, in the home ballpark, too. Yeah. It was raucous, man. He's doing it at the yard. It was such an impressive round to see. And the way that the home run derby is now, it's kind of a, a test of attrition. Oh, you know, there's, totally. there's a whole cardio aspect to it. So Vlad's the ultimate winner. I'm going to remember the Julio round the most, though. You you totally contradicted yourself by using the word cardio and Vlad in the same sentence. <laughs> as if, man. How'd you like that girdle he was rocking throughout, too? I didn't see that. I, I was, It was a brace, but I mean, it was just the entire time he was walking around in between rounds with a big old strap around his waist. He's he's wearing the the shock master on his stomach. Yeah, you know, to yeah, get the six, the six minute abs. No, I was just thinking of the, the his defense like that. <laughs> uh, not great. What uh, defense? Not not great in in general. It was cool seeing a couple talking to some Rockies related people over the course of the weekend. Jackson Holiday, Matt Holiday's son, mm-hmm. uh, Bo Bichette, son of Dante Bichette, uh, which was obviously really cool. Jamie Moyer talked my ear off i'm looking forward to to writing that up and and sharing that with people he was great he uh i was only there for two months i'm like jamie we remember you oh yeah jamie you are kind of a a a lifelong rocky yeah you are kind of you're beloved in denver he's like "Eh, yeah i lived in the cherry creek area it was was cool i hung out it was like two months you know he's a folk hero he he is honestly in rocky he didn't get it he he didn't get it entirely but uh we had a fun conversation about like uh do people talk to you about the Hall of Fame? And he's like, mm-hmm. mm, not really. When people say it, I go, he says back to them, why? Why do you think I'm a Hall of Famer? Because you're my friend, right? But but why? And so we had a brief little convo. I was like, if Tommy John gets in, he's yep. like, that's right. Guys got to get in before me, before I can. You know, I ERA over four. Mm-hmm. Again, very self-aggrandizing. Like, hey, my ERA is over four. Yeah. You know, uh, I want to say like 269 wins, 269, something like that. Um, but... For ERA during the steroid era, you know yes. what I mean? And again, just coming back from Tommy John surgery, I don't know if that's necessarily, you want that on your plaque in general, uh, but still, at least in Denver, you know, we loved him. LaTroy Hawkins, talked to him about 2007. So uh, it was uh, it was just a lot of fun uh, in, in general there. And if if you want some fun at any barbecue you go to this summer, you got to get some of that Breck Brew Palisade Peach Wheat. 
It's made using only the finest peaches from the nationally recognized orchards of Palisade, Colorado. Talking about Palisade peach wheat, it's a laid-back, porch-side refresher. It's fruit-forward, and it's an unfiltered American-style wheat ale, bursting with bright and juicy peach flavor. feels like every month it's like a new season for your taste buds with everything that Breck Brew has going on. And look, it is a taste of Colorado, besides the Palisade, Colorado, the... Uh, the western slope, as it were, of Colorado. But all the ingredients come from Colorado. It's made here, 100% renewable energy. Go to breckbrew.com, find out where you can get a Breck near you at their Breck Brew locator. It's pretty sweet in general. Uh, we we touched on the draft a little bit. What were your takeaways from day three? No, I'm kidding. You're like, what? Um, it happened. Yes. Dude, you know what? It happened, yes. There were some names in day three, by the way. There were names, and again, there, there are so many people in the Rockies community that hang on all of these picks, and that's why this community is second to none. Every, Especially everyone that goes over to the Die Hards Only Discord uh, talking about those draft picks and whatnot and, and, and doing it on Twitter. There's there's so many, too many to name, of course. But I thought you just you have to come away with one of those Two to three guys. I kind of put Hurston Waldrop, honestly, mm-hmm. in that group with Dollander and Rhett Lauder. Obviously, Skeens is in a class uh, unto himself. He wasn't going to get to nine. But Lauder went seventh, and I go, oh, no. No, 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 no. Yeah. If 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 it's eight, if eight is, is Dollander, you may have to reach a little bit with Waldrop and some of the questions, even though he's been fantastic his last three outings in the Super Regional uh, as, as well as the College World Series. But... They get Chase Dollander, and immediately that it, that's going to help your your final grade exponentially. Yeah, it it always felt like the Rockies, at least for their top draft pick at ninth overall, it came down to two names mostly, mm-hmm. and that was um, Rhett Lauder and Chase Dollander. And then there was that situation where maybe Hurston Waldrop was in that conversation, yeah. and I kind of looked at that as you know the. Dollander was that perfect in between a little bit. Yeah. He was that porridge that was just right because mm-hmm. with Louder, it was kind of a the safe pick. You know, it was kind of that lower ceiling, safe middle back of the rotation sinker baller that we've seen a lot of with Colorado. Uh, with Waldrip, high octane, violent delivery could be a huge boom, could be a bit of a bust too. So really high risk, high reward. With Dollander, there's a lot of potential there for him to be a top-of-the-rotation guy, and the floor kind of feels like he could be a volatile number three, number four kind of guy. So there's some safety baked into it while also still having considerable upside. It really felt like the right player at the right time for the Rockies organization, Yeah, and I think that... You know, there's so much that's been made, especially from pundits of the organization, about the draft and develop philosophy. This is a good chance to put your money where your mouth is a little bit and show that you can develop this guy Dollander into a front-of-the-rotation kind of caliber starter, which this system needs right now, considering all the core pieces are really position players at this point. With the draft only 20 rounds now, and actually it's more because there are one-and-a-half less affiliates, right? There's Mm -hmm. no short-season rookie ball uh, to to have one of these high school players. So there's just less high school players being selected, a lot more college players, and, and that's really true for all teams to do that. But I, I think that's that's part of MLB's plan in general, and it certainly should be the Rockies' plan of, instead of trying to develop a player for three years in the minors from an 18-year-old to 21 coming out of high school, mm-hmm. let's let a team in the SEC do that for us. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and draft that that college guy who's already closer to being a final 
final product mm-hmm. and it makes the the project of developing a player that much easier they go heavy on the college arms which they certainly need to do uh to to see if they can they can get it to work uh, it does seem like last year's draft probably had better quality in that that upper tier quantity and and you know some of that i think has to do with the fact that you know we'll we'll wait and see what happens with Dollander. he'll probably get his slot money uh, they they save a little bit, I think, with Sean Sullivan. Again, we haven't seen these figures yet, but you got to save a little bit to give some money uh, and convince some other guys uh, to not go back to school or to go to college, whatever it may be. So that uh, that's where the, the Sean Sullivan pick comes in there. That that's that was an interesting one, I think. So uh, we'll have to break those guys down anymore. Is is there anyone that's like a sleeper of like, hey, you never know what this guy's gonna be gonna become, but right now. I'm really interested in this guy, and I'm, I'm excited to to follow him for the next couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, Sullivan, they're, they have an interesting trend going of kind of funky lefties um, that they're they're throwing a different look at. And obviously, you know, there's some comparisons being made to to Freeland and what Sullivan could, you know, be that the high-end right. outcome of. That's asking a lot. But when you look at somebody like Carson Palmquist or, or Joe Rock, over the past two drafts, they're having success yeah. as being a little bit more unorthodox left-handed pitchers and can really give you a different look out of the rotation. So um, I think that I trust them with that demographic. Um, Kerrig is just a fun profile. He's he kind of right? all over the place, high motor guy. So I think he's gonna <laughs> he has a chance to be a good complimentary piece. Um, Jack Mahoney, I mean, obviously we're kind of you know showing off the top. He's somebody that missed an entire year after blowing out his elbow, but there's a really good athlete with some high-end stuff in there, there's a bit of a project that that comes mm-hmm. into this pick, and that's what comes with the third round, too. Um, but it's kind of like McCade Brown last year, where if you hit with this guy, you hit big. Right. Uh, and M- Brown was two years ago. But there's some considerable upside with somebody like Mahoney. So that's an interesting one to look at. Yeah, I like that. You, you, you invest in a guy that, if they were healthy... You know, he, he wouldn't have fallen to. It's the yeah. same thing with Dollander, where uh, if he would have even repeated half of what he did in 2022, he wouldn't have gone ninth. He would have uh, been in that top five. No, and and GM Bill Schmidt said that on our on our Zoom call uh, on Sunday night. Like, yeah, no, th- there's no way this guy after going, you know, ten and zero and just being otherworldly, uh, that's that's definitely not going to happen. And Will in the chat saying, yeah, Sullivan, little Brian Fuentes in him too. You hope he can stick as a starter. Uh, outstanding strikeout to walk ratio. So, and the analytics department. The analytics department yeah. loves the Sean Sullivan. They love that he throws seventy-five percent fastballs too. That's but true. No, so like it, it is funky. I would say if <laughs> it will, if you haven't watched video of Carson Palmquist, do that because that Similar, is a yeah. photocopy of Brian Fuentes. To be honest, but um, yeah, I, like I said, just that unorthodox lefty. They're doing well with those guys, and Sullivan definitely fits that mold. Yeah, that's really cool. AJ Hinch actually a couple weeks ago when Detroit was in town said it's. It's unlike anything being a part of the draft room. They've got a board of 200 names, and you think, well, there's there's a lot more than that that get drafted, but all 200 of the names that you like, you mm-hmm. will get. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Like, oh, this guy is, is still out there, and it's like the difference between a fifth-round pick and a 12th-round pick is, well, I had a, had a good weekend on the Cape or something. Yeah. You know, it's And that's one of the reasons why Mike Trout you know, slipped to where he did in, in the first round and uh, actually went one pick after Randall Gritchick. It rained a lot in South Jersey mm-hmm. that year. And so scouts didn't really get a chance to see him. Uh, in general, I know you've seen the Rockies a lot this year. 100 losses, is it going to happen? And if not, why? It feels <laughs> like it's on the path to it. You know, if there is a chance for a, a boon 
If you get, you know, Montero, Doyle, Tovar continues progressing, you could kind of start seeing the late surges of this new core emerging and figuring it out all at the same time um, in the final two months of the season. I think that's the hope. I don't, I don't think it's wise to expect that to happen. And then even if that does go according to plan on the position player side, this injury to Freeland is got wow. some big ramifications. Yeah. Uh, we still don't really know the severity of it. We're going to probably find out more as ev- everything kicks back up on Friday. Um, you got Gomber left. And like, that's it. This is a pretty decimated rotation and there's some bad luck into it. Like that's, you can't deny the fact that, Hey, they've been unfortunate with the injuries that are going on in the rotation, but now it's kind of exposing how ill-prepared they might've been on the depth side of things. Because if you're going to let Carl Kaufman go out there and eat it for half a season with a 70 RA, you're asking for a hundred losses at that point. And so that's, that's a very real possibility. It's hard not to see that playing out. And we know the reason, one of the reasons why the depth is where it's at. You could point to the draft and developing, uh, you know, basically going from 2016 through 2021. Mm-hmm. But you also didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. You made one move in 2021 uh, with, with the Michael Givens deal. But that's where you get those guys and you say, hey, just give me back a, a guy. And, you know, sure, Padres, look, you got shortstop blocked three different ways. Give me your best shortstop prospect that you know you're not going to be able to really utilize. We'll take him. You know, obviously he's not going to play shortstop for the Rockies, right. uh, but but still, just that general concept to just just get something, get what you can, and you hope that they do that again. Elias Diaz is the biggest trade chip right now. Not as huge as Story and Gray were in 21. Not as huge as Crone mm-hmm. or even Marquez and Bard were last year. And you you didn't trade any of those guys, so. You know, I, I don't necessarily know know what to expect in general. I thought that before the Freeland injury uh, on that final game in San Francisco last Sunday, that they wouldn't lose 100. 99 isn't 100, but it's, no. it's 99. For the simple fact that they had so many guys coming back from injury, so many of those veteran guys, that that's going to lift your floor up. Like It's almost like they're acquiring players. Like, hey, we just got Charlie Blackman back from the IL for the final two months. Yep. Hey, Brendan Rodgers is back for the final 50 games of the season. And again, it's not going to be the Brendan Rodgers of last year, but it is Brendan Rodgers versus maybe Harold Castro, who is more of a platoon player. So I think because of all those guys, Tyler Kinley, et cetera, you go, oh, that's they're going to win some games. They're going to take a couple series here sure. and there. Still not going to be, you know, exciting. It's still not going to be good, but you might avoid ninety nine. And I think a lot of people, and maybe I shouldn't speak for everybody. I can only speak for myself. I, I or at least the people I've spoken to, mm-hmm. hope they lose a hundred, so that just changes the conversation a little bit. And also shows, hey, it's okay. You lost a hundred. It kind of isn't a big deal. It's one more than ninety nine. Yeah. But now you've you've done this thing, and maybe it changes some perspective. Maybe just maybe something changes and. They get out of their own way in a sense. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the big thing, the outcry from the fans is is they deserve a gut punch a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think that that's off base necessarily. Yeah. Um, I think that, it to your point too, you'll survive. And you'll walk out of it with maybe, you know, maybe the number one pick with the way that the lottery system works now. And there could be, you know, some silver lining of the whole situation. Um, you don't want to see them purposefully roll over. And I don't think anybody is really clamoring for that, but just the reality of this is not a 
500 roster. This is not an overly competitive roster. The results to kind of show that a little bit. Um, it's a very real situation where those position players could show up and help buoy the team a little bit, help mm -hmm. you know increase the performance. I think the rotation in the state that it's in right now, though, that position player return, that reinforcement might not be enough because the bullpen has been super taxed to this point, compensating yep. for the rotation. And, you know, just adding a Tyler Kinley and maybe a hand departs, a suitor departs. You know, the, if any trades happen, it would most likely come from some bullpen pieces on expiring contracts. So you subtract some things from the bullpen. You already have a young rotation that's decimated by injury. It might not be enough to avoid 100 losses. It might feel a little inevitable or really getting close to that 100 loss mark. And I think some people are saying, hey, you've kind of been tiptoeing around this for a while. It's about time it happens to you. And I don't think they're wrong for thinking that. A, 100 loss, does that matter to you at all? No. No. B, you're, you're talking about the fact that the rotation and the bullpen has been decimated is a great reason for the front office yep. to not make any moves because they don't want to overexpose certain players. And, hey, we, we, don't, we just don't even have the bodies right now. We don't even have the bodies, mm. so we can't trade these guys. Mm. And they, again, get stuck in this vicious downward spiral because, again, you didn't do it in 21 and 22, which created this situation, and you might even be able to make the case well, you, you might, who knows how much exactly, we know they probably have a little bit, but how much exactly they leaned on those starting pitchers of Senzatella, 60-day IL, don't know if he's going to need Tommy John. You leaned on Marquez, Tommy John surgery. You leaned on Freeland, we'll see what happens with his right shoulder, mm -hmm. and all of these guys, and look, that's what happens. And again, all the relievers are taxed, so if you're another team saying, whoa, I, you're, you're almost giving me damaged goods, I... You know, yes, I'm, I don't necessarily want to pay for the first half because I'm not getting that guy. The guy that was in the first half, he had off the entire winter and had a nice, easygoing spring training. This guy is a little bit damaged, and there's maybe some uh, auxiliary numbers that our analytics department <laughs> looked into and said, yeah. we're concerned about that. So we could be here on August 2nd in the exact same situation. Now, I know Mike Moustakas has already gotten mm -hmm. traded, so cool. Uh, you know, the Rockies aren't going to get shut out. There was a trade. We there can was say that. a trade. I would say just the, to, you know, my rebuttal to that is you look and you are in dire need of starting pitching wherever you can get it. And one of the, you know, best options right now is Noah Davis. Yeah. How did Noah Davis get here? Trade. Through Michael Gibbons. Michael the, basically Gibbons. the trade over the past couple of seasons. Right. And you have to learn from your mistakes in the past. And yeah, so there might be some negotiation that comes into it that says, okay, look at the workload that Suter has gone through. I don't think that applies to Hand necessarily. Yeah. I think Hand has been used a little bit more sparingly and wouldn't have that case against him the same way. Uh, but if you go out and you want to acquire a reliever, an effective reliever, they may not pay a premium price for a guy that has some miles on him this season and is an impending free agent. Fine, but you can still get a high A arm that might have a middle of the rotation ceiling that can be a reinforcement for you in the future. That's That can definitely be had in a negotiation. And right now, the Rockies did that with Michael Givens, and they have one of the few rotation depth pieces in Noah Davis because of it.
I think that that's just part of the negotiation, and they right. have to look ahead, and they have to reinforce that starting pitching with you know whatever trade chips they have out there. There could be teams out there that don't really pick up the phone for the Rockies because they say, hey, look, we get we could get down to the 20, 20, uh, fourth hour there, mm-hmm. and your owner is just going to kind of put the yeah. kibosh on that, so it's not not worth. We don't even want to deal with it. And hey, time. we're not privy to that conversation. You no, hope not. that's not the case, but with how the system works, this is the you know what the Rockies should be doing, whether the, or not they do it. That's another question. They need to get creative is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. That's what they've got to figure out, how to do that. Maybe you acquire someone's comp- uh, compensation balance round pick. Do, get get something like that. See like if there's a, a way to Waters do that. Like a Drew Waters trade. Why yep. not? Or take on a bad contract. Say, look, we'll, we'll, give, you that, we'll give you that you know reliever, but mm-hmm. we'll also take that contract. Like Aaron Hicks was that guy that yeah. for the last two years, get him off the Yankees' hands. They will pay you kindly to do that. And look, that, that would have been the outfield bat that the Rockies could have had going into this season or yeah. last. And yeah, it's not sexy. It's, it's, no. it's whatever, but is that help your future? Yes, it does. Donaldson could kind of be that guy still like the, the Yankees are still out there as a possibility for that with some bad money out there. Um, I think there's a couple of creative avenues. And I think when it comes to the trade chips and what the Rockies may need to be willing to explore somebody like Justin Lawrence, maybe. You don't love hearing it necessarily, but if you're able to put a premium price on somebody that teams will pay for, Lawrence could be one of those guys. We talk about Diaz is obviously, a, a, you know, one of the trade chips, and he seems like one in the most obvious position sure. to be traded. Lawrence would command. Jake so, Bird, too. I think I think he's yeah. another one of those guys. And you go, oh, you, you hate to see those guys, but... Montero. Yeah, you, so, you also hate for this to continue the way yeah. that it goes. I, I, I said to you yeah, a couple weeks ago, I was like, it's going to be kind of classic Rockies. They make one trade. Let's forget Mike Moustakis. That was that was a while back. Yeah. Um, it, it hurts my case. I, I just need to, I, I got to find my way to be to be correct. They make one trade and it's all here's Montero. And you go, no, that's no, you did not understand the assignment. Yeah, that I, if mark my words, that could happen. It could. No, it totally could. But at least. It, it's self-inflicted Ooh, trading Montero. Yeah. Um, but you talked about needing to be creative. And this gets to the point with like Lawrence of, okay, maybe you ship somebody who's under team control. And yeah. more than anything, when it comes to Montero, they've kind of pushed him out of the picture a little too much. And it's, okay, what are you going to do with this guy? Are you going to play him? Are you just going to let him rake in Albuquerque for you know the next two years and then DFA him? Or maybe you flip him off for something. And... Yeah, you know, they didn't make the most of him in his time here. And if he goes out and flourishes elsewhere, they don't look good in that situation. But it's better than the alternative of sticking it out for another year and a half just for him to go out onto the waiver wire and be lost for nothing. So eh, maybe it's making the best of a bad situation at that point. But I'm not terribly opposed to that just because that's the hole that they've dug for themselves. It does feel like they are so worried about looking bad that they don't do what they need to do. And they look yeah, afraid to lose a trade is the overwhelming emotion. Yes, you will trade Montero away, and there's a decent chance he might mm-hmm. be an all-star yeah. for a year. One-time sure. all-star or be in that conversation. And yes, that will suck, but did you help the future of your franchise? And again, you go, wait, but he's a young guy. They clearly don't see him as a part of that future. So 
go ahead and, and get some really good value because you've already you've already lost some of that value. Mm-hmm. You've always you've you've drawn that car off the lot. You ran over a bunch of potholes. Yeah. You went through a construction site. Uh, <laughs> there's some you left it outside during a hailstorm. Yeah, there's a boot on there. There there is also a boot, and it's like yeah, if you buy this, you you have to take care of the boot situation. Mm-hmm. I at least have the number for the guy that can get the boot off. <laughs> but they've done this to themselves. Yeah. And uh, bottom line, they are absolutely going to have to be creative, Kenneth. You're a creative dude. Let folks know where they can read all the work uh, that you're putting out there for Purple Row or anywhere else for that matter. Yeah, I'm over at uh, Purple Row. You can find me on Mondays doing the Rock Pile and the Pebble Report, doing the full minor league coverage and coming whatever or you know putting out whatever ideas come to mind. And then I'm on Twitter at KDub1988. Good stuff, man. At DNVR underscore Rockies and at Patrick D. Lyons is where I'm located over on Twitter. It's great to be back. Super excited to be looking forward to Friday's show. Uh, we we got some momentum here, of course, but as we all know, momentum is only as good as your next show. So it's going to be a great one because Susie and I are finally going to be back together in studio to talk about the Yankees. And more importantly, in a lot of people's eyes, the return of DJ LeMahieu to Coors Field for the first time. We'll see you then at the DVR Sports Channel live on YouTube.